Continuing on in John chapter, I mean Matthew chapter 3, beginning with verse 11, John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I, I need to be baptized by you and, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For it's proper for us in this way to fulfill all rightness. And then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, beloved, with whom I am so well pleased. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, there was a deacon's meeting scheduled for um, tomorrow night. And being the professional that I am, I was going to go at 7. And the deacons, we communicate as we try and take care of one another. And somebody brought up to the fact that there's a certain football game <laughs> tomorrow night. And they said, you know, can we move it? I remained silent. It only seemed right as the only person paid to be at the meeting. And so I let them talk and we moved it. So that's, that's good. I, I don't want you to think I'm that saintly because I was going to record it and I was going to start late. And in all honesty, you know, Clemson seems to win every year. I could just wait till next year and watch them win again. Yeah. I don't know if I say it now, but, you know, it is an interesting thing, and, and uh, I was talking, we actually had a uh, University of Alabama basketball player in the gym yesterday, and, and, he, uh, and then I heard some, some people say from up in South Carolina, they're just so tired of Clemson people whining <laughs> because they weren't put number one and, and, and so forth, and, and what will happen after tomorrow night's game, there will be a winner and there will be a loser. And so, if Clemson loses, they'll be the loser. The second place team in the country, and they'll be the loser. So just be careful of this mindset. I heard an Olympic athlete who was in the 100-yard dash, and he got second place, and they said, you must be very disappointed. And he said, man, I am the second fastest human being alive. Why would you think I was disappointed? I got a silver medal. I am the second fastest of all the people in the world. And the reporter was speechless. Because we want to think winners and losers. So John the Baptist comes on the stage and says, hey, you're all just a bunch of losers. <laughs> maybe, maybe God might let you in anyway. But you just need to know how much of a loser you are. And I grew up with that mindset about what it meant to be a person of faith. And I went to Taiwan and they said, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? 
And the initial gut reaction was that you're a loser. I thought, what a terrible way to be able to express faith. That God in Christ came into the world to tell everybody how much of a loser we are. No, 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 that was John the Baptist. Which you can see why he lived alone in the desert and ate bugs. <laughs> why go among people when you think they're all losers? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went and he told what he had been told. Notice when Jesus' baptism comes. He is baptized before he does anything. No national championships. No walking on water. You can decide which is a greater feat. Before he does anything, God says, that's my boy. Kayla left on Friday, and I remember the day that she was born, whereas I didn't get it when I went to Taiwan, when I held her in my arms, and her name means pure joy. I got it. That's what Jesus shows us. You are called beloved because that's who God is. It's not about being worthy. John says none of you are worthy. Jesus says it's not about being worthy. The kid that runs off says I'm not worthy and the dad says it's not about being worthy. We call him the prodigal. But his older brother says all my life I've lived like a slave. I'm not worthy. It's not about being worthy. About being loved. And being beloved allows you to go out in the world. And yes, there are times when you think, I've had a challenging week, and I came in, and during the wind and rain, it blew rain into the carpet. And I was frustrated because I thought I'd had a hard enough week that the carpet in the hallway shouldn't be wet. But it got wet anyway. But that's just the way life is. That's the way wind works. That's the way gravity works. I was called. I uh, volunteered as a chaplain for those who needed one in Nashville at a hospital. And um, she was, the mom was 30 some weeks pregnant. And there was no heartbeat. And they induced. And the baby had died. And she asked if, they asked if I would come, and I was there with mom and dad, and they asked me, they said, well, would, would you baptize the baby? Now, for a Presbyterian, there are certain rules. You have to have permission by the session, and you have to have a congregation, and generally the baby needs to still be alive. But I'm very seldom accused of doing things right <laughs> so I did the right thing I held that baby in my arms and I said no matter what the doctor says no matter what anybody else says you are beloved and the love God has for you is bigger than the life the short life you have and that's what baptism is your beloved let nothing tell you otherwise and so because I'm a pragmatist I want to show you what that looks like. On the small scale, we do a lot of things in the community, some you don't even know about. There are four elementary schools that we give a $500 discretionary allowance to the nurses because no child should have dirty underwear and have to live with it at school. We do that. That's a problem we can fix. 
So Peggy, why don't you come and tell us about some other stuff that's even bigger and cooler. <coughs> Thank you for having me this morning. My name is Peggy Creighton, and I'm here to tell you a story. I have some experience with that because I used to be the school librarian at Compton Elementary School, and I told lots of stories <laughs> to the kids there before I retired. But my story is about miracles. And if you're one of those people who thinks that miracles only happened a long time ago, well, I want to introduce you to Esther Makondawiri. Big name. <laughs> Esther lives in Lusaka, Zambia, and she serves one of the most impoverished slums just outside of Lusaka, Zambia. It's called Nombe. Nombe is home to about 150,000 people. Most of them, unfortunately, are children who, through no fault of their own, are HIV positive and most of them are orphans. And Nombe is that kind of place where no one wants to go. There are no paved roads. There's no running water. Uh, the people there live in shacks. And Esther prayed. She prayed that those deplorable conditions would change. She wanted to begin a school for the children because they couldn't afford to pay the fees for the government school. And she wanted to see that they ate a, de a decent meal each day because so many of them were hungry. Um, she, wanted the, the, to, she wanted to feed them in the school because when they take their government-provided HIV medication, they can't take it on an empty stomach, which most of them had every day. She wanted them to have health care because without it, more of them would die. And Esther had big dreams and even bigger prayers. And God answered them all. God is still answering them. God cares for the poor and the needy. They are his beloved, just like everyone else. Now, halfway around the world, there was a man in California named Jason Miles. And he and his wife were struggling to make ends meet. It was 2008. Do you remember the Great Recession? Okay, well, Jason and Cinnamon were a bit overextended, and his wife, Cinnamon, could sew. So she began sewing doll clothes and selling them on eBay, and they sold pretty quickly. And Jason began to see the potential of this as a business opportunity. And so he began to use some of his skills to promote her business, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And that was the first miracle. It grew so large that today, her little company that she started on eBay is the number one doll clothes company in the world, the largest and the biggest in the world. Well, about a year later, Jason and his wife were with World Vision in Lusaka, Zambia. And that's when the second miracle happened. Jason met Esther, the one with the big dreams. <laughs> Isn't God good? <laughs> well, he saw firsthand the deplorable conditions in Nome Bay. He toured the, the whole compound, and he saw the half-finished church building where the children were meeting for their school. 
And he saw the hunger and despair in their eyes, and he forged a partnership with Esther. And he pledged to give $100 a month to help support the school. Now keep in mind that they had just gone through a life-changing event. They'd lost their home. They'd moved. He'd gotten a new job. Yeah, they were hit hard in the recession. But he pledged to give $100 a month to Esther for the school. The, the trouble was getting the money to the school because, you see, it cost $50 to wire the money. So that would cut their funds in half. Well, that's when the next miracle came in because the kids of the kingdom there where they lived in Seattle pledged to give the money so that they could wire the $100 to Esther each month. And on their next visit to Nome Bay, Esther had an idea. She spoke to Jason and Cinnamon about starting a sewing class for the ladies so they could learn a skill to earn some income. And that very same year, God is just so good, Cinnamon's business doubled again. And in that event, she was able to provide the sewing machines and the supplies for the whole compound. And so they started a sewing center. On subsequent visits, Jason and Cinnamon began to learn more about the children of Nome Bay, particularly the girls, that the girls were failing at a much higher rate than the boys, and they began to wonder why. And pretty quickly, Cinnamon realized it was because the girls, when they got their periods, stayed home from school, so they missed about a week a month, and that translated into the girls not passing the exams in the school at the same rate as the boys. And so Cinnamon realized that they needed feminine hygiene products, but they couldn't use the kind that's used here in the West. The disposable ones were inappropriate because they had no sanitation facilities there in Nome Bay. So Cinnamon came up with an idea to create purses for the girls so that they could receive the feminine hygiene supplies that they needed and carry them discreetly and stay in school. And part of the package that they provided when they gave these purses to the girls was a bar of soap. And the soap was used up very quickly, as you can imagine. So this is when the next miracle came in. Jason was back at the hotel, and he was going over figures and trying to figure out how they were going to get extra soap on top of all that they were providing. And he ran into a former colleague of his there at the hotel, and as he was explaining about what he was working on, she said she could provide all the soap that they needed. They just had to make the soap. She was going to give them, like, soap products, soap flakes or something. They would have to make the soap. Well, this was another miracle because in doing this, not only were they receiving all the soap they needed, but they were providing more jobs in Nome Bay because they could hire people to make the soap. And then came the farm miracle. You see, Esther had prayed so long ago that they would be able to feed the children in Nome Bay. So many of the children were hungry, you just can't imagine. And God loves them. God loves them so much. And he answered that prayer in such a big way because another Esther, a third Esther, stepped up and donated 10 acres of land for them to build a farm and grow animals there. And today they raise enough to feed all the children a daily meal in the school and send food home with them for an evening meal as well. 
So are you beginning to get the picture? Okay, God is at work in a very mighty way in Zambia. I hope you can see it. And maybe, maybe God is calling you to help out. He's calling people all over the world to help this movement, to help the impoverished people here. He might not be calling you to make a purse, like Cinnamon or some of our nitwits here have done, but maybe you could cut. You could cut out some fabric. Maybe you have some fabric laying around you could donate, or some thread. Or maybe you could just write notes, because we put little notes in every single purse to show each girl that they are blessed and beloved. So blessed. Maybe if you shop a lot, you could shop on Amazon. Did you know if you go to Amazon Smile, you can designate So Powerful as your charity of choice? And Amazon will donate proceeds to So Powerful each time you shop. And if you're a coffee drinker, why, well, you could buy some coffee straight from the farm. It's Three Esters Coffee, and they sell it on Amazon. And there you could support the farm that feeds the children in Nome Bay. So I hope you might begin to see some ways that you could help participate and support this great movement and support God's work in Zambia. And out in the narthex, I have a little display to give you some more ideas about what's going on. You can see some pictures of Jason and Cinnamon and the children and the farm. You can see all the many great things that are happening there. And I pray that God will put it on your heart to help us out. Thank you very much. Being beloved means that we go out into the world and we share it, and we share it with others. Um, as you think about this, uh, this particular ministry, as you think about all the ministries, I, I want you to think about Macklin as sort of an Amazon where you can come and find out where God is calling you, and we can hook you up. Uh, there's a story, and I will leave you with this. There's a story of a farmer who, uh, the minister, good old preacher guy came by, and he, he looked out at that crop of fields, and he says, man, look what you and the Lord have done with this piece of property. And, he, and the farmer just laughed and said, yeah, but you should have seen it when the Lord had it all by himself. <laughs> God calls us to work in partnership for the greater kingdom. And if you're not careful and you keep coming here, you'll get a vision. And it'll be something for you to do, because the world is not the way God sees it, but the dreams are there to be had, and the miracles will abound. Let us pray. God, too often we are waiting for the magic when we should be looking for the miracles. Give us the courage to come expecting your kingdom to put our dreams aside and our smaller visions for your greater visions of what might be when we work together in the midst of your miraculous life-giving work. That's why we've come, that's why we've gathered, and that's why we pray as we were taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power 
in the glory forever. Amen.